is called Redeeming the Time. Now, um, there there's so many different ways that I wanted to start this, and there's so many different places we're going to go, but based on the, your guys' survey responses from last week, there was a lot of different things on there that there's some really good ideas to do this, and then there's like, oh, but we could do that, and oh, there's that, and there's this. But for me, it really felt like it was all under the umbrella of this verse, Redeeming the Time. So I want to kickstart some things uh, off just with a, a little bit of a discussion. Um, honestly, where are you guys at with all the stuff that's going on? I want to get your guys' feedback as far as your opinions, some of your frustrations, maybe some of your fears with stuff that's happening even within our, our government, about our future. Just I want to have a little bit of chat before we get started into some, some of that stuff. So who wants to break the ice? Anybody? <laughs> that's your job to narrow it down because it's very broad. When you consider the current state of events, when you consider the stuff going on in our world today, the things that may or may not happen in the future, where are you at? How are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's happening in your heart and in your mind? Stupid. It's trash, bro. It's <laughs> very descriptive. It's trash. <laughs> I need some more detail. I mean, we kicked it off. <laughs> yeah, you, you kick something off. I just don't know if it's going to go anywhere. <laughs> Come on. It's got to be something. Outside of trash. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. I have these discussions in English every day, and my brain is just empty after those. Yeah. But we're bringing it to a spiritual context. Yes, Emily. I'm confused and conflicted on how I should like think and feel about the like the government or like the decisions because I feel like everybody's contradicting themselves, and I feel like I don't have anybody to trust, but it's not necessarily like the Bible says exactly what to do when a global pandemic hits the earth. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Not directly anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have to study it out and I just, you know. Yeah. Okay, good. What else? Take it from there. Anybody else? Like, with everything going on politically, like, nervous for the future. Okay. Like the Democrats controlling all three branches of government. Yeah but just not letting that be a distraction from what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. What else we got? Yeah. Um, in the beginning, like, all this political nonsense was, like, a big distraction for me, and I was, like, so worried about it all the time. But then, like, God kind of calmed my nerves about it, but, like, I hear this kind of stuff every day because pretty much, like, most of my school is very liberal, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to, like, talk to people because, like, you try to start a conversation, whether it has to do with the Bible or politics and they shut you down immediately but they can say whatever the heck they want because they're liberal and they're always right apparently right Right. Yeah, yeah I, I get frustrated by that too because if you can have conversations that are meaningful and not destructive it's totally possible. That should be happening. That's something that our society was built on from the very beginning, the whole concept of free speech. You, know, you go back in history and under the tyrannical reign of a lot of different empires, you would say something and it would kill you and your family. And we were the first country on the face of the earth to be a place where things like that says, no, that right was not given to me by my king or by the, the queen or by whoever. This, these things are given to us by God, and everybody has the right to have these, these rights and be able to express their thoughts and their opinions and the feelings of their heart. Go ahead. So I think, um, so I expressed a, 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 
I don't know what it would be called. Just a, I would be willing, a willingness. That's the word. I, I expressed a willingness about a year or two ago to be a missionary at some point, and I think this has made me much more willing to just leave the U.S. <laughs> um, so at some point, I think it would be nice to go and see how other countries do things, and then also just be able to bring the Bible and do it for that purpose mm -hmm. as the main. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't just be for my own enjoyment and traveling the world. It'd yeah. just be bringing the Bible to people around the world who are have like Catholic like in a lot of Europe is just heavy Catholicism or Angelican whatever it's called Anglican Anglican yeah um, and I just write them onto the path of the Bible yeah so in some ways it's kind of removed some of the securities you've had saying you know what my country may not last for a long period of time and so now with these securities removed I'm more willing to take a risk to go and serve God elsewhere yeah it's interesting yeah yeah, Emily. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emily Boffman, it's yes, your turn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I will say too, I feel like like my like spirituality is like on either like extreme highs or extreme lows. Like there's hmm. times where I'm like, I'm doing like better than I ever have and then there's other times where I just like get overwhelmed and stressed and like just thinking about the future or things like that and I like, you know, kind of forget to lean on God in those times. Yeah. And then but like, I feel like I'm always constantly on a spiritual roller coaster more than ever. Yeah, now. good. What else we got? Rose. I feel like it's like really hard for me to like talk to people, like mm. like get my point across without like offending anybody and like completely yeah. closing a door. Right. But like still getting like what I feel like I need to say like across. If yes. That makes sense. Yeah, like it does. Yeah. Yeah. And learning how to love and care for someone, and even though you might come against them, is very difficult to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. And like kind of voting off a rose, it seems like whenever like I bring up the Bible or anything like spiritual, spiritually related, it's like a bunch of attacks just because like they don't want to hear it because like most of my school is just like they're so against all of that. Mm -hmm. And like just with everything happening recently, like I realized like the more that I bring it up, the more that they just like try to shut it down. So that's been different and like a harder yeah. too. Yeah, so. and how to navigate that because you can't just stop, right. right? So how to figure that out. That's good. Yeah, Ben. Um, so like the whole capital thing, like I don't really know how to feel about it because like uh -huh. everyone's making a huge deal about it, but like when the Black Lives Matter riots were going around, it was not like nobody seemed to care. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy that's going on. And that's one thing that drives me nuts. I mean, I, if we're going to do this, we need to do it consistently, and it's not happening. There is no equality. Um, the big term that's being thrown around now is equitable, but equitable is a very dynamic definition. When you are saying that things need to be actually equal, that is not what people want. It's not. They want things to be equitable, but that is a very, uh, it's a very subjective definition based upon a lot of different presuppositions that people have going into even having that debate so it's crazy yeah go ahead i feel like at this point like so both sides have done so much stuff that's like not okay and wrong that, mm -hmm. like, for me personally i'm just like stopped worrying about it a lot because i don't like to worry about things i can't control mm -hmm. it's just like wasting my time yeah or i could be focused on god and just doing his work instead of just thinking about things that i can't change mm -hmm. and i think the struggle there too is to not get to the point where you never care, like to the point where you become just totally apathetic. Because yeah. these things do matter, but drawing your attention to the things that matter the most. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Yeah. So regarding like what they were talking about with like um, at school, people getting offended. I think it's really funny because I'm just so stubborn about my friends. 
and they're very stubborn about staying friends because they don't want to lose friends during the pandemic. And so I was able to send them like 800 messages in Discord, and that <laughs> happened. I, I wrote that like long, uh, whatever it's called, like a overwritten sentence. In, run on. in what? what? Run on. Yeah, run-on sentence. <laughs> yeah. I wrote a run-on <laughs> sentence in, in uh, GroupMe about that. But it, it was so funny because the next day we're just talking normally. There's no problem. I didn't have a, a lasting issue with any of them. I just expressed all that I know about the Bible or that I could think of in that moment. And then we go back to being normal friends. And I don't know that, that it's necessarily 100% the right thing. Maybe it should, things should have changed. Maybe I didn't do everything right. But I think it was, I think it was good that, um, to know that speaking my mind is not going to hurt me hurt my reputation mm -hmm. speaking about the word is not going to hurt me in any way yeah i think it comes across with how we communicate those things because you can be loving and caring and still communicate very truthful things that may offend but at the end of the day if you do it the right way they may do things that might question your motives and your intent but they actually know I mean, they know that you truly care. They do. I've, I had a lot of friends that I went to school that, you know, we opposed on, on a lot of different things theologically, about salvation, about uh, politically, socially, um, and we still remain friends, but we were able to have these kinds of conversations. And it's important that we do have these conversations. It really is, because if we, if, if we stop talking, then there is no other opposing voice. And that's important and on, on everything, especially spiritual, especially spiritual, because that should always take the priority. But that's something that a lot of people just want to shut you down and shut you up because you are somehow ruining their parade or putting wrinkles on their dress. When the reality is that, no, you actually just care. You care about them and you, you're trying to bring a different perspective to make them think and to consider. Yeah. Um, just to go off of what he said, another thing that reminds me of how you act with your friends and how they act with you, sometimes it depends on the gender. Mm -hmm. Because guys are, they can fist fight and then they're buddies right afterwards. Girls aren't like that. Words hurt us and we remember them to our grave. You know, that's just how girls are. Um, I do remember when things happened in high school for me personally, and I know it's been a while, but um, it, it leads out mm -hmm. who your real friends are. Yeah and who you can confide in and trust and invest time into. I'm not saying don't cut everybody else off, but yeah. it depends on who you are. And yeah. guys and girls are very different yeah. in case we haven't noticed that. That's good. Yeah, if you haven't noticed that, this, there, there's another Bible study we have for that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, I feel like this really puts into perspective because I know people have told me in the past that, like, oh, years later we could lose our right to become Christians. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought, like, yeah, right, like, this is America, like, we've always had the right. And mm -hmm. now it just doesn't seem so crazy because people are being censored now and mm -hmm. our own president was censored mm -hmm. and it's really just scary and like in California like they can't go to church because of uh, like the quarantine and mm -hmm. everything and uh, I know this one pastor got into like some big legal ba battle about yeah. it and now that Sleepy Joe is our president like our yeah. church could get shut down and I mean we can get into trouble for 
Yeah, potentially. And see, this is the kind of stuff that I don't care what side of the issue you fall on. Um, just the fact that those things are happening should frighten a lot of people. Because if they're doing that with, uh, with someone who uh, has the most trafficked Twitter handle um, that's, that's out there, and if they can just, at a flip of a switch, just shut him off, then who's to say they're not going to do that with other people that they just don't like what they have to say? And that should frighten everyone. I mean, that's, I don't care if your liberals all get out and, and believe in a bunch of different things on the liberal side of the issue. The fact that they, they are willing to do that is, is just flat out wrong. It goes against everything that our country was founded upon. And so a lot of these things, what it does is it creates a lot of unrest and it can create a lot of anxiety. It can create a lot of different things in our own hearts and our minds. So as I've been thinking about this with some of your guys' responses and things and looking at this year, I really landed on this topic of redeeming the time. Um, because I think sometimes when these things unfold, I feel like we can just get very stalled in our Christian walk where I don't know what to do. And so I'm just not going to do anything or I'm afraid to do this now. Or sometimes we retreat and go back. And so like, where do we go from here? And so there are several things as a youth ministry that I think that we need to keep in mind. But I really feel like this is where God really wants us to be. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And I have the verse on your guys' study sheet, but I want you to see it in your Bible as well. Ephesians chapter 5. Um, we're going to cover many different things in this study. So we're going to be hitting um, most of what you guys have put on your survey responses related to evangelism. Uh, related to uh, stuff about discipleship, related to um, you know God making you and some of the things that you need to be secure in and with your own personal self, talking about how to function as a ministry, um, talking about relationships and how to deal with each other, and we're going to even get into some dating and marriage stuff in the future months just because everything kind of leads in that direction. So we've kind of taken a few different studies, and I'm going to repackage a few things and look at it from a slightly different perspective, and frankly, from this perspective, redeeming the time. Because the reality is, is that you do not know when your last day is going to be. You don't. There's a good chance that many of us are going to last until, you know, the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Um, you know, the Bible says the average lifespan is about 70 years old. And if by reason of strength it's 80, it's, it's very sorrowful. It's very difficult. Things just get difficult as you get older. But we don't know when our last day is going to be. But here's what you do know. You have now. You have today. And there's a good chance you're going to have tomorrow. So what are you going to do with it? And so this concept of redeeming the time is very important. So let's talk about this. We're going to read these two verses. So Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So if you're going to redeem the time... It is part of the will of God. In fact, this is number seven in, in the wills of God in the New Testament. There are seven things that God specifically says, this is my will. And this is one of them, that you don't waste time. But when we look at this phrase, redeem the time, I love this definition, to redeem. So this comes out of Webster's 1828. And the first mention of redeem in the Bible is, is Exodus 6.6. 6. Uh, but to redeem, it means to purchase back to ransom, to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage, to rescue, to recover, to deliver from, to free by making atonement, 
to save. And so in this context of redeeming the time, what God is saying is that your time is going to be spent doing something. And generally speaking, when it comes to people that are lost, it's doing things that lost people do. It's doing ungodly things. And us in our flesh, in our, in our corrupt flesh, we tend to do things that just waste time. And so redeeming the time means I'm going to take that time that was normally going to be used for fleshly fulfillment, things of this world, things that are all about me, 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 and I am going to exchange that for submitting to the will of God. So redeeming the time has that sense. That this time that was going to be spent to those selfish ends, you are now going to repent, and you're now going to use that time for the Lord. So take a look at Exodus 13.13. 13. Go ahead and turn to Exodus 13.13. 13. This gives us another sense of that word redeem. Exodus 13.13. 13. So this would be the second mention of it in the Bible. In Exodus 13, 13, he's giving some basic instructions. And he says in 13, And every firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. So in God's economy, and he's painting a picture here, there's a great New Testament spiritual principle that's here. When you take a look at the Bible, the ass or the donkey is a picture of the lost man. And the lamb is a picture of Jesus Christ. And so here you have the firstling of an ass, anything that is born of a donkey. So this, this, this baby donkey that is now born, it must be redeemed with a lamb. So in order for this ass, this donkey, to survive and to live and to thrive, in order for it to exist in that world, it has to be redeemed with a lamb. So a lamb has to be killed. That lamb must be killed in order for that ass to live. It's amazing. And right there is the gospel. For you to live the life that God wants you to live with purpose, the way he intended it, you must be redeemed by a lamb. And if you're not going to be redeemed by a lamb, then you must break its neck. It's dead. It's as good as dead. And so that's a picture that God's put in the Old Testament. And here he's talking about redeem. So that, that donkey, that ass, now is able to survive because it has been redeemed. Get it? So that's the whole point of redeem. And I love that concept of redeem. And then the concept of time. So time, it's a particular portion or part of, of a duration, whether past, present, or future. Now, this is very simple. We'll go back to Genesis chapter 1. So when we consider time, and these are some of the things that I love to think very deeply about. I tend to be a deep thinker, so if you're not, I apologize. But uh, when you think about time, right at the very beginning, in verse 1, Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning. So just the word beginning denotes time. Just the fact that that word is there tells you that time began at that moment. God created the heaven and the earth. So you have time, space, and matter is created in Genesis 1, 1. And so God created time. Now there was a point in time, no pun intended, but let's just go with it, where there was no time. So before God said in the beginning, before he even created the concept of time, there was no time. And there's actually be a point at the very end, according to Revelation chapter 10, I got these references on your guys' study sheet, you can look at them later. But Revelation 10 verse 6, at the very end, right before the final judgment, God says that there shall be time no longer. And so how do we measure time? I was in the second. Okay, where do we get that from? Years. 
<laughs> the sun, yes, the way that the earth rotates around the sun. So our day is a 24-hour day, and that can be split up into however many minutes, however many hours, and the whole concept of that comes from the rotation of the earth around the sun. And this is why when you get into stuff like the theory of relativity, that time doesn't exist the same way on Mars as it does with earth and all that stuff, because it's just, it's different. It rotates at a different speed around the sun, so there's different years, different days, all that. So when you consider stuff like that, there comes a point where time will be no more. And the reality is, is how could that be? Well, in the future, God says there's not going to be a sun anymore. There's not. There wasn't a sun at one point in time. I'd be right before Genesis 1, and he, he even took him a few days before he even created the sun in the, in the six days of creation. But there comes a point where there will be no more sun. So there's going to be no more time. And the days are just going to be days. Like there's going to be no night. Revelation 20, 21, 22 talks all about that. I got those references on there too. You can check them out. That there's going to be no night there. So in the new heaven and the new earth that God's going to create, there's going to be no sun. There's going to be no night at all. It's just going to be a perpetual day for the rest of all eternity future which was actually the way that it was in eternity past as well. And this is another side note. And so here we have this whole thing where you have this whole concept of time, which is a giant parenthesis, is a giant period that is carved out in God's plan that he has created for him to receive glory. Because before time began, there wasn't anything that, that glorified God except for the Trinity himself. Like it was just him. It was him, God, and the Holy Spirit just chilling, hanging out, and they're glorifying each other. Because that's what God does. He's holy. He's pure. He's perfect. And so then there came a point where he's like, you know what? I'm going to create something. And it begins with time, space, matter. And then there's a whole other bunch of stuff that we could talk about, which we're not going to get into. And then you got the six days of creation where he ends up taking the whole chaotic universe and, and recreates this whole thing to create this beautiful orchestrated event of, of the universe that we see with the solar system. You have the creation of vegetation, you got the creation of animals, you got the creation of mankind. And he puts mankind in the garden to glorify him. He gives them a purpose, he gives them a mission to glorify him. And then you have Satan derailing all that and you have sin. So it's like there's this giant parenthesis, there's this giant time out where this, this whole span of human history for about approximately 6,000 years where God is dealing with the whole concept of sin. And then once that's over and God deals with sin once and for all, now he can get back to what he wanted at the very beginning. And it's just so incredible. So for whatever reason, God has created this thing called time, and he tells us that we are supposed to redeem it. So he created this whole concept of time, and now we're supposed to take this time and we're supposed to redeem it. We're supposed to use it for God's honor and God's glory. And so when it comes to this concept, how do we redeem the time. Well, according to Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, right at the top of your guys' study sheet, you can see this. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So right in these verses, there's two things that tell us how do we redeem time. So the first thing is walk circumspectly. Walk circumspectly. You're supposed to walk circumspectly. And the second thing is, is you're supposed to walk wisely. So circumspect is very simple to understand. It's looking on all sides, looking round, cautious, prudent, watching on all sides, examining carefully all the circumstances that may affect a determination or a measure to be adopted. So it's looking around. So one of the things that you guys have to understand when it comes to walking circumspectly is that that means that you're going to have to think. You're going to have to think. You're going to have to think about 
who you are, how God has designed you, where He's placed you. You have to know your history. Where did we come from? What is God doing? What is God going to do? And how do the circumstances that I find myself in, how, how does that matter? Because I think there's a lot of people that are walking this planet that don't think about those things. They are so self-focused and self-centered that they think all about them, 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 them to the point where they feel like they have no meaning anymore and they have no purpose and then they end their own existence. And that is straight from the devil. Because God would not do that. Why would God design a miracle like you and I and not give you a reason to exist? Why would He do that? Why would God give you the gift of time however long your time is on this earth. Why would, he God, why would God give you that and then for you to not be able to figure out why you're here? So you're supposed to walk circumspectly. And this isn't something you can answer overnight, but it's something that it requires you to think a little bit. It requires you to think about yourself and, and it requires you to think about your circumstances and, and things like what we're going to cover next week, next Wednesday, we're going to talk about how you are divinely designed by God. And it's not a coincidence that you are the way you are and that you're in the family that you're in and that you're in the time in history where you're at. Like these things are not a coincidence. But if you don't believe that, then you're going to just be completely and totally aimless doing all the things that you want to do to bring yourself pleasure. And you're going to come to the end of that to find out that it didn't mean anything. So we need to think circumspectly. We need to walk circumspectly. So let's take a look at a couple verses on this one. Let's go over to, um, um, actually, let's split this up. Someone take Matthew 10, 16. Who wants that one? Sam, take that one. Ethan, go ahead and take Philippians 1, 27. Everybody else go to Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 1. All right, Matthew 10, 16. Whenever you're there, Sam. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Okay, so Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's going to send them out to go and do some ministry work. And he's like, listen, guys, I'm going to send you forth as sheep among wolves. Now, is that a scenario that you kind of want to be in? Like, oh, yes. I am a sheep, totally helpless, vulnerable, uh, can be killed super easy and kind of dumb. And I am being sent out among wolves. Hooray. Anybody? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. But he's like, hey, listen, guys, this is what it's going to be like. And see, the reason that they could go forth in confidence is because Jesus sent them. Do you understand that? Because we are sheep. And when we go out there and we are in the circumstances that we're in in this world, we do feel like we're going to die sometimes. Like they're going to eat me for lunch. And sometimes, well, hopefully not literally. That'd be just strange. And that's a whole other host of cannibalistic things that we don't want to go into. But when it comes down to it, Jesus is sending us out there saying, hey, listen, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. But he tells them, what does he say? Be what? Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Okay, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Snakes, if you were to study snakes, they are super smart. Very, very smart. They know what they're doing, and they know what, well, for the most part, what fights are worth getting into. And it's harmless as doves. Anybody been attacked by a dove? <laughs> I would hope not. If so, then it might be like, I don't know, a dove that has rabies or something. But, I mean, doves are completely and totally harmless. Totally harmless. And very smart, by the way. Very, very smart. 
So Jesus is like, listen, guys, this is what's going to happen, but you're going to have to be wise. You're going to have to be circumspect. You're going to have to figure out. You're going to have to be smart. So don't be dumb with how you're going to approach people, and you got to think through stuff. So I love that verse. All right, Ethan, hit the next one. Philippians 1.27. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay, so I love this verse simply because Paul was in a scenario where he knew that if he were to die, yeah, he would gain a lot. But he's like, you know, but for me to live is Christ. Like, I want to be in a place that's far better. I could be with Christ. But you know what? And we're going to hit that verse a little bit later. But, but he's like, but for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So as long as I'm alive, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Take a look at Colossians 1 and look at verse 9. So Paul had this heartbeat for the people of Colossae, and he says this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto the patience, long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks, and he continues. The only way this is going to happen is if these people are walking circumspectly, if they're paying attention to what's going on. Because in order to walk worthy, like he says in verse 10, or even when it says to be filled with, in verse 9, where it says the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, like that's a conscious effort that you have to make on a daily basis. Like if you're going to actually walk with wisdom, which is our next point that we're going to get to, you're going to have to actually make a decision to want to do that every single day. If you wake up in the morning and you're like, ah, I'm not even going to care. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to make decisions based on how I feel. (laughs) Oh man, you're going to get yourself in a world of hurt. So you need to walk circumspectly. That's the first point. Walking by paying attention to what's going on around you. And honestly, sometimes the only way I can walk circumspectly is by getting into the Word of God. Because getting into the Word of God gives me a different perspective of what's going on out there, and it changes how I think and how I see the circumstances surrounding me. And that leads into our next point, walking wisely. We're already in Colossians. Take a look at chapter 4 and verse 5. So to walk wisely. Chapter 4 and verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. So you are told to walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. So be smart about it. Be smart about it. But you have to learn how to walk in wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? The mind. The where? The mind. Okay, the mind. Where does true wisdom come from? God. God. Alright? It comes from the Bible. And we know that because... Where does it say that? Anybody know? Proverbs. It does say it in Proverbs. Anybody know where in Proverbs? It might be the next verse on your guys' city sheet. I don't know. <laughs> yes! Proverbs 2.6. Take a look at this one. Go to Proverbs 2.6. Just seeing if you're walking circumspectly. <laughs> All right. Proverbs 2, verse 6. I love this chapter. The best place you can get wisdom is from the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, it says very clearly. Anybody want to read it? Who wants it? Come on. All right, Gavin. Hit it. 2-6? Yes. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge knowledge and understanding. So God is the one that gives wisdom. It's his mouth, which is another way of saying his words, come with knowledge and understanding. That's the only way we're going to be able to get wisdom. 
If you don't go to the Word of God to get your wisdom, then the only thing you have left is your own heart, your own feelings, your own emotions, and this world. And I'm telling you, from experience, and just by paying attention, walking circumspectly to a whole bunch of other people that walk that way, it doesn't bode well. It does not go well at all. The Bible is the thing that gives me perspective every single time, and it changes how I think about things. So if you're not going to put time into getting into God's Word, or rather, getting it into you, it's probably a better way to put it, then you're not going to be able to walk wisely. So you have to make that a priority. So there has to be a need. And so sometimes we don't really... We don't realize we need something until we're at a spot where we're like, oh my gosh, I really need this. And one of the things this pandemic and these circumstances that cause so much uncertainty should be doing inside of you is causing a great need. Where I'm like, where am I going to go? Like Emily, you're talking about, where am I going to go to get my answers? Where am I going to go to get my direction? Because I can't, I can't trust this person anymore. I can't trust that anymore. I can't go here anymore. I can't go there anymore. I can't, where am I going to go? And that feeling of helplessness and frankly, hopelessness should redirect your heart and your mind back to the word of God, because this is the only thing that number one has stood the test of time, but it is the only thing that can actually give you solid direction. Again, pun definitely not intended, but we'll go with it, give you direction when it comes to your life and the decisions that you're going to make. And this is why I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, just one chapter over. And verse 7, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. There has to come a point where you flat out just abandon your opinions, your thoughts, your perspectives. You have to completely lay that aside and you have to be willing to adopt God's perspective. You have to. And that is not easy to do, especially if you're not in the habit of doing it. But you literally have to lay aside the way you think and even what you think in order to see what God has to say and then adopt that and apply that to your life. And I'm telling you, it will change everything, everything, and for the, for the better. Almost on every issue that I have thought through, God's thoughts have been way better than mine, way better. And he cares for me so deeply, he wants me to know the right way to go. It's like with my children. My children are super smart in their own eyes. They are wanting to justify their decisions when it comes to getting back at each other and, I mean, all sorts of things. And I'm looking at them like, ugh. And I feel like I'm correcting them all the time because I am. But I even had another conversation with my kids the other day where I'm like, listen, the reason why we correct you is because we love you. We want what's best for you. We see the path you're going down and it's not good. And what kind of parent would I be if I didn't step in and interrupt that? I would have to hate you. I would have to not care about you at all. God does the same thing with us. It's just for us, it's sometimes easier to just shut it off because we're not willing to open up His Word or be obedient to what His Spirit's already teaching us. And so the reality is behind it is understanding this, believing this, walking this way is so important. And then I want to end this with Revelation 4.11, at least this point. So take a look at Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, because this one is a, is a big one when it comes to your perspective. Revelation 4.11. Alright, Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. 
So everything that God has made, it is created. The intent behind it, the purpose behind it is always for God's pleasure, for His honor, for His glory. It's all about that. And when we're willing to submit ourselves to that and live according to that rather than our own pleasure, our own honor, and our own glory, it'll be way better. So we have to walk circumspectly. So we got to do that and we have to walk wisely if we're going to redeem the time. If you don't pay attention to what's going on around you, and if you're not willing to abandon your thoughts and your perspectives and adopt God's, then you're not going to be able to redeem the time. It's just not possible. You're not going to be able to take the time that God has given you and use it wisely. And then why are we supposed to redeem the time? So the last part of this verse is redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. So why are we supposed to do this? Because the days are evil. Now, the days were never intended to be evil, by the way. It was never supposed to be that way. But sin messed up the whole picture. So because the days are evil, now we have to redeem that time and use those days rather than for evil for good. And so the first point, the God of this world will reign until Christ returns. And that's just a reality. 2 Corinthians 4.4 talks about the God of this world and how He blinds the minds of them, them which believe not. So He doesn't want people to understand the gospel. He doesn't want people to understand spiritual truth. He wants to stop you from getting into the Bible. He wants to stop you from opening up your mouth and talking about the truth with others. He wants to stop you from praying. He wants to stop you from coming to church. He wants to stop you from going to winter camp. He wants to stop all these things because they have the potential of getting the Word of God that can transform your life into your heart, into your mind, changing your perspective, and now you can glorify God, whether it's by being saved or whether it's by walking with Him because you're already saved. So He wants you blinded. He wants to take those things away from you. And the reality is it's going to be that way until Christ comes back. I love reading Revelation 19 because it's just like the best. It's like with the eyes of the flame of fire coming down and wham! And he takes them all out and I'm like, yes! I mean, I love that stuff. I love the movies where it's like, man, it's looking like the bad guy's going to win. It's like, it's right there. Oh, there's no hope, no hope. And all of a sudden, last minute, bam! Good guy comes in and rescues the day. And I'm like, yes! It's all from the Bible. So that's one of my favorite chapters is that it's going to be that way until Christ returns again. And that's the reality. And you can't change that. This world belongs to the devil. It does. Until God comes back and forcefully takes it over. And that's just the reality. And so that means that this world is not our home. We don't belong here. I love the fact that we live in the United States. I love the fact that we can have the freedoms to you know, worship whatever we want to worship and think however we want to think. But the reality is, is that that may come to an end. A lot of our missionaries can't go and hold services because the governments of England and Ireland won't let them. We live in a country where we are not governed by any sort of governmental system. We're governed by the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. That is our governing document. So because that's the case, we're a different people. And so we don't have to necessarily obey governors and certain authorities because we have a constitution that is our governing document. And that changes the game. So we have the freedom to be able to assemble because our constitution says it. And so even if they instill laws and there's other things that stop us from doing it, under the constitution, we still have that right. So until they get rid of it or whatever else happens, then we're, we're able to do that. But this world is not our home. And Hebrews talks about that with the people uh, at that point in time, that they knew that this was not our home. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I like this one. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, verse 11. 
Who wants to read that one? What's it? All right, Ben. Um, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So the context of abstaining from fleshly lusts that literally do war against your soul is by understanding that you are a stranger and a pilgrim, that you don't belong here. You don't belong here. If you're born again, this is not your home. You don't belong here. And it makes it easier to not sin when you remember that. When you remember that your home is not here, that you're living for another day, for another country, for something else that God's going to do in the future. It makes it so much easier to do what's right here. But if we don't see that, then we get distracted. So this is not our home. And then the reality is, is the last point here under this whole section, is that things are only going to get worse and worse. So good news. <laughs> it's just going to get worse and worse. I mean, 2 Timothy talks about that in chapter 3. 2 Peter 3 talks about that. That evil men and seducers shall act worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's just going to get worse. So that's the reality. So talking about circumspectly, walking wisely, you have to know that. Things are not going to get better. So because things are not going to get better, does that mean that that just is an excuse for you to not to do what God wants you to do? No. If anything, it should cause you to focus more. It should cause you to focus more on what God wants you to do. Because this is what we need to remember. So even though the days are evil, there's a big but here that we got to pay attention to. And that first one is that we are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Our theme verse for our ministry, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. I love this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And remember, this glory is not for you. It's the glorification of your Father. So the motive behind these, this light that you're going to shine produces good works in order to glorify God. So you're magnifying and you're bringing attention back to God and not yourself. We're, we love having attention on ourselves, especially with stuff that we're good at. But that is what we're supposed to be doing. But you are called the light of this world. This world is dark. And the darker it gets, the easier it is for you to make good decisions and shine that light. To be able to shine the truth of God's word into people's lives and hearts. It's, gonna, it's just easier to be able to do that. So even though it stinks and things are going to get worse, the opportunities that you guys are going to have are going to be better and better and better. And it is going to be easier and easier and easier to actually be light. So if you find yourself retreating backward, then you're not taking advantage of the fact that it's a lot easier now just to be light. It's a whole lot easier now. I, I mean, a ton. Compared to back when I was in high school, it is so much easier to be light on so many different areas of our society. It just is. Because if you believe the Bible, you're going to have certain opinions that just stand out because it's God's opinion. But you are the light of the world. And so if you hide that light, then how in the world is the world going to be able to see it? And how is it going to make any sort of impact? It's not going to at all. And this is what the world needs. And so then you've got to understand that it's going to get worse, but we're the light of the world. And then secondly, we're ambassadors for Christ. I wish we had time to dive more into these passages, but in 2 Corinthians 5, it literally says that we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? Representative. Yeah, representative. Okay, what else? They don't just represent. Yeah, okay, they represent a country. What do they do? They can send messages. Yeah. They speak on behalf of the yeah, exactly. 
So they carry out the will of the person that they're an ambassador for. Where is Jesus Christ right now? At the right hand of the Father, waiting to come back. He is not here. When he left, according to John 13, 14, 15, 16, he said that when I go, I'm going to send who? The Comforter, the Spirit of God, and He's going to indwell you and be with you forever. And He's going to testify of me. The words that He speaks, He's not going to speak of Himself. He's going to speak everything that I tell Him to speak. So when you get saved, the Spirit of God enters inside of you, and that's what makes you an ambassador for Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is not here. You are. The Spirit of Christ is. How good is an ambassador if you never carry out the will of him who you're supposed to be representing in this world. Not good. Yeah. You'd be failing at your job. If Jesus Christ were living in your shoes, walking throughout your day, using the time that he had, that you have, what would he be doing? How would he be treating people? What would he say? How would he behave? How would he react? You start to think about some of those things and, oh my goodness, that changes everything. Well, what, would, I mean, what would he do? What would he do if he were in this situation? Well, I don't know what he would do. You know what I would figure out? Go back to his mind, the mind of Christ, and figure out, well, what would he do? And then you figure it out and then you live that out. It is really simple, but it is rather hard at times because that means we have to abandon sometimes some of the things that we want to do in order to adopt his will that overrides ours and then carry that out. But here's the question, just like with the whole light of the world thing. If you choose to not be an ambassador, how in the world is God ever going to get the message out from you to the people that he wants to hear it? How in the world is he going to be able to touch and reach people that he wants to touch and reach through you if you never do it? Because that's what he wants. I mean, he died for them. He died for you. And so now that you're part of his family and you represent him, are you stopping Jesus Christ from being able to reach these other people? Or to be able to influence this person or that person? Or to be able to give your input here or there or whatever, just as he would? And I'm not saying be a jerk about it, because Jesus wouldn't be a jerk about it. I mean, was he? And the only time that Jesus was borderline a jerk is because there's people that actually deserved it. And those are the religious leaders who were morons, <laughs> who flat out rejected him, and he rebuked them for it. But he loved people. He cared about them. But he didn't just love them and not tell them the truth. And so this is a balance that we need to figure out. And so this leads to our last point, that we are called to carry out the will of the Father until our fight, until our course is done. And this is exactly what Paul did in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So we've been called to redeem the time. And we're going to be hitting various topics as we go through this series, talking about how to actually do that. But I wanted to spend a little bit of extra time with you guys, really understanding that this is what this means. And this is going to go sweetly right into winter camp and the stuff that we're going to go through at winter camp. And when we come out of winter camp and we're going to start talking about, again, next Wednesday where we talk about how you're divinely designed by God and there's no mistakes on that. It's going to fit really nicely into that. But you have to understand you got to walk circumspectly. Know what's going on around you. And that you're here on purpose for a reason. You may not understand why or how all this fits or how this all works out, but you know that's the case. And you've got to know what's going on around you. You've got to think through it. And you've got to be able to walk wisely because it doesn't matter how you feel on any given day. God has called you to be a light in this world. 
And so are you going to actually do it? He's called you to be his representative. So are you going to represent him well? And are you going to do these things until the day he calls you home? And so we need to figure out some of these things because it's not easy to navigate some of this stuff. But if you're going to want to glorify God, we've got, we've got to take some time. We've got to figure this out. So it really begins with you. And that's what we're going to talk about next Wednesday. It begins with you. It begins understanding who you are and how unique you are and how incredible you are and how you are here right here right now for a reason. And it's, it's no mistake. And once you start to really understand that aspect, then you're going to be able to gain some confidence about who God has designed you to be and to be able to step forward and do some things that, frankly, only you can do. There are things that only I can do. And there are things that only you can do. And there's a reason why we're different. And there's a reason why we need each other. And so I love it. And I can't wait to get into some of this stuff because I think it's really going to hit a lot of us where we're at and really be what we need to do. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and pray. And we'll head off to prayer meeting. Father, thank you again for this time that we can share together. I do pray that this would be a, uh, an eye-opening study for us to be able to examine, uh, to really work through, to really understand uh, these things that could really seriously impact eternity. I pray, God, that you would give us uh, more wisdom. Uh, we would listen to you as you speak to us through your word, as you lead us with your spirit, and that we would just be obedient in those things that you've called us to be, to walk circumspectly, to walk wisely, uh, to be the light that we're supposed to be to represent you well in the things that we're in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, don't forget, uh, when you guys go into the prayer meeting, be quiet, respectful, um, pray, and once you're done praying, exit. Ladies, make sure you go to my office and meet my wife after that, um, but make sure you're, you're paying attention to the things you're doing. And don't forget to sign the letters back in the back with your name. You can even do that afterwards if you like, if you want to do that after prayer meeting's over. All right. <laughs>